Hey, 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 I'm Michelle. And I'm Greta. We are girlfriends who have always been seekers. We love learning, sharing, and most of all, we love having those soul-to-soul moments with our girlfriends. Our podcast is about spiritual connection and sisterhood. You are not alone. So grab your glass, get comfy, and join us as we make some noise, light up the room, and get get into it. Well, hello, we are here today with Crystal Felice, and we are so excited because today's topic is a big one. It's one that I think a lot of women are very curious about, whether they've had their own experiences with it or have just heard the word menopause. This is what we're talking about today. We're probably going to go in a lot of different directions with this because menopause doesn't just mean you don't have a period anymore. (laughs) There are things like the hot flashes, the vaginal dryness, you know, like loss of hair, brain fog. Yes, I was going to say the list goes on and on. And actually, this is probably one of the biggest topics we've heard about from our friends, followers wanting to know more about menopause. Get someone on there that can tell us and inform us about what we're going through right now. So we're so happy you're here with us, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. So why don't you start by telling us who you are and how you even found yourself being somebody who is really like an expert in this field. And before we even go further with that, though, I do want to do the disclaimer piece of this that we are not MDs and we're not here to give advice. However, we are here to inform. And whether that's from our own experiences or education, That is, we just want to get information out to women. So you even have a starting point because there's so much to know about all this. We all can't know it all. But if you have the language, if you have some information, you can get out there and be an advocate for yourself and have the best possible outcome. Yes, you can take this information to a medical doctor is what we're saying too. Absolutely. So So Crystal, tell us about you. All right. So... I have a background in pharmacy. Actually, I started as a fashion merchandiser. (laughs) I went to school in New York City and then completely pivoted into pharmacy. But so I started getting my symptoms during pharmacy school, actually. I noticed I would get three-day migraines before my period every month. They had a gynecologist there. I would go to her and she's like, you're on birth control. There's no way it's that, you know, here's some ibuprofen. You're fine. So I kind of suffered through that through all pharmacy school, had the anxiety and stuff, but you know, you just think that's just school. Well, can I just stop you real quick? Yeah. Because you just named a couple of things that already are like red flags that a lot of women don't think about headaches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you also said anxiety. And so when I was even describing menopause with a couple of words, those two things didn't even come up, but those, as you'll explain, are part of it. But I just want to highlight that if that even speaks to you right now. Those are already things that are under that umbrella of menopause. Yeah. And I was like 29, 30 years old. Okay. Keep that in mind too. So it started young for me. Wow. So I became a pharmacist and, you know, I wanted to help people as much as I could. I got into retail pharmacy and realized that you're pretty much just a robot. You're just, you know, checking scripts all day long. You're on the phone with doctor's offices and insurance companies. You get, you know, a quick, quick counsel with a client or with a patient, you know, these, these are a couple of side effects, any questions and move on kind of thing. 
And then most of them are like, oh, I've been on it for years. Like, all right, you know, I don't need to know anymore. I know everything about it. So a lot of times you just get dismissed for your counseling anyway. So honestly, I was pharmacist for a little over five years and I was already getting burnt out. And I was like, this is not what I went to school for. You know, I wanted to be that accessible healthcare provider for everybody, which is how a lot of people see pharmacists. And a lot of people will come to me and be like, I trust you more than my doctor. You know, you know, the medications, you know, the side effects more than them. You take the time. And that's what I wanted more of. And I just wasn't getting it. And then I had started doing my own research for my own symptoms. And that's where I had followed a functional medicine practitioner and saw that, you know, people were like, oh, you're great. No, I feel so much better. I'm like, maybe this is just the route I need to go in. So first I started with a local naturopath. Can you really quickly give us just a brief explanation? Because there might be some people listening who don't know what is a functional medicine doctor and what's a naturopath. So the naturopaths, I guess it, it depends on how some of them will practice. A lot of them will combine both conventional, you know, Western medicine with a little bit more holistic and natural ways. Functional medicine really takes the time to look at what the root causes are. What's going on? Why are these symptoms happening? Let's not just, you know, sub out a medicine for a supplement. Let's actually see what's going on. Because a lot of that is happening where people are doing poly medicine and just now they're poly supplements. So it's, it's, you don't want to do that either. So a lot of times you'll find more functional medicine doctors and health coaches and practitioners, they're going to be the ones to really dive deep and see the body as a whole, take into account stress and sleep and things that, you know, everyone may not think about that has huge, huge issues with side effects and symptoms. So lifestyle factors, maybe like, yeah. So the naturopath, and I'm sure there's amazing ones out there. I just didn't have a good experience. So how do I want to get that out there? I know there's amazing doctors out there. But he, first of all, I ordered my own hormone test because I, I knew that I wanted it done. I wanted to know what was going on. You could do that online. But the problem is not many people know how to read it. So I gave it to him and he's like, oh, wow, this is the first time I'm seeing it. I'll see what I can get from it. He put me on testosterone cream, which was not the right thing to do. I felt awful. I stopped it immediately. And I was just, I felt lost. I went to doctors for my headaches, they would put me on muscle relaxers, more ibuprofen. They gave me an antidepressant to try. They gave me bupropion for anxiety here and there. And I was like, this is not what I want to go through either. It sounds like it was all just covering up symptoms, not getting to the root cause. Yeah. So, you know, I had followed this functional medicine practitioner. She was all virtual. And I was like, let me just try and see if there's something that's missing. So luckily I was able to send her the hormone test. She ordered a a GI map, a stool test to see what's going on in my gut. And we saw some things going on. So we saw what's called leaky gut. And that really was the cause of a lot of my symptoms, my headaches, my food sensitivities, my anxiety, my depression, my bloating, a lot of it stemmed from my gut. So I did have some hormone imbalances, but that is also related to the gut. So, you know, we worked on a little bit of that, definitely lifestyle. She looked at my uh, cortisol, which is our stress hormone. She looked at those levels and she's like, you're going to die if you don't take care of the stress. It's going to kill you. And I was like, okay. So that was my wake up call. I was like, okay, yeah, I knew stress was huge. Just in pharmacy in general, it was such a stressful job. So from there, I was like, you know, we did the protocols and 
about four to six weeks later, I was feeling so much better. And I was like, I need to get into this. Like I need to learn more. I, you know, more women need to know about this. None of these doctors could figure this out. Like I was educating my own gynecologist on blood sugars and why I was waking up at three to four in the morning. And she's like, oh, I never knew that. Mm. So I enrolled in functional medicine school and that was two years. And then you get, you take a certification exam. So I had known going into school that I wanted to start my own business. I wanted to, you know, get out there because those positions aren't really, usually if you find a functional medicine practitioner, it's somebody that had started their own business. So nowadays you're seeing some clinics adopting more functional medicine, which is awesome. That's how I just knew I wanted to just start my own thing. She could do it virtually. I could do it virtually. So I was like, let's go. I just learned it all myself. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. And, you know, I was big on Instagram as it was. I had started posting while I was in school, getting the information out there and then just started taking clients and took off from there. Amazing. I know so many women right now, my, around my age that are just starting that journey. They're realizing that going to their general doctor, going to their gynecologist is not helping them get the answers that they need and the relief that they need. And so it's wonderful that there are people out there like you that are have gathered this information and are helping women because we have full-time jobs and raising kids and a full life. You don't have time to access all of this information and diagnose yourself and it's just too much. And it's such a shame that women have had to go through this all these years. Mm-hmm. But I do think what is awesome right now is that this conversation is happening more and more yeah. and that the information is so much more widely accessible. But with that said, you can go down a rabbit hole. And so I know that I personally am somebody who I like to do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. I like to learn a lot. But without having a guide or somebody who's a little bit more of an expert in that field, you start moving into, because I mean, we were talking about leaky gut. I mean, that's a whole nother path that we can talk about, which has to do with nutrition and, you know, all these other things. Absorption of minerals. Yes. Stress hormones. I mean, we could start talking about adrenals and these are big categories all on their own. So when you are gathering information to not have somebody that's kind of your guide or go-to can feel very overwhelming. I know we're going to like start getting into all the details of this. And we also sent you a couple things that some of our listeners Mm -hmm. wanted to know more about. And I will throw this out there to the listeners. If while you're listening to this, there is even more that you want to know, send us a message, put it out there because we can have Crystal back. We can, I mean, this conversation is going to keep on going for sure. Um, But I, I guess I would just say this. I want to break down. I want, I would love for you to talk to us about what perimenopause is what is menopause and what is postmenopause? So how are we defining that? And then where would a woman start? You know, if symptoms start to arise, like where do you even go? You mentioned like the hormone test. I don't know. Is that kind of like the first thing that happened? So maybe defining those things and then tell us where a woman would start if they even have a thought in their mind that like, I might be in one of these categories. (laughs) What do I do now? Yeah. We'll start with the finding. And so perimenopause can actually start as early as 35 for some women. So a lot of women like myself are experiencing all of that and they're like, what's going on? So during that is when progesterone, so we have estrogen and progesterone, they balance each other out nicely. And that's progesterone is going to start steadily declining. 
estrogen is going up and down and crazy. So that's where we're getting all these crazy symptoms from, you know, um, just from estrogen bouncing up and down. When, if your estrogen is already too high and it tanks, you can get a headache from that. You, you can see on, on the graph, it just goes like, that's going to be perimenopause. Menopause is technically just a day. So that's going to be when you've been 12 months without a period. Oh. That is considered menopause. And then postmenopause is from then till end of life. So okay, you're mostly either perimenopause or postmenopause when, when we're talking about it. So somebody defined or talked about estrogen as being the party girl, your girlfriend, who's the party girl, and she may have had a little bit too much to drink. And when she's in her full drinking mode and she's like, woo, out of control. And you're like, girlfriend, come back, like have some water, relax a minute. That's how we can look at estrogen is like our party girlfriend that when she's out of control, we need to bring her down so that we can feel a little bit more balanced. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I'm going to think about that. <laughs> and estrogen gets such a bad rep, but it's, it's an amazing, amazing hormone. I mean, there's a reason why we have so many of these symptoms when it's declining. So, you know, it's a powerful anti-inflammatory. It helps us sleep mm. better. It's protective for the heart. It's, it's job is to keep our skin thickness and the elasticity and the collagen. It helps protect against osteopenia, some bone issues, Alzheimer's, colon cancer. So they say that there's a one in 30 women die from a heart attack or stroke uh, before menopause and after menopause, it's one in three. So that just shows how amazing estrogen is and you know why we're starting to get finally the new studies out there showing that hormone replacement is good. It's protective. It can help prevent you know, the Alzheimer's, the bone issues, it can help prevent heart attack and stroke. So finally, we're getting some of those studies out. That's great. I've also heard, well, I'm in talking to my friends, there's a big consensus of like, well, I don't want to take estrogen. I don't want to add that. Even if it gives me benefits, there's some fear around that. What, you know, having like a synthetic addition into your body, that that could cause cancer or that could cause problems down the road. Mm-hmm. If you could give us some information around that, maybe debunk some myths. Yeah. So it was the uh, 2020 Women's Health Initiative study that recently came out. So that's where we're getting this new info from. Before a decade, we were told that estrogen, no, it's going to cause cancer. So they're finding that it's oral estrogen that's associated more with the risk. So you have a 14% higher chance of high blood pressure than topical estrogen and 19% greater blood pressure issues versus uh, vaginal creams too. So there is vaginal estrogen that can be used also. They're showing that it can help treat UTIs. I know like UTIs and painful sex, vaginal dryness, that's a big issue. But as far as around cancer, they're showing... The sooner, the better starting the hormone replacement therapy. So they're considering about that, you know, within that first 10 years of hitting post-menopause, but now even more, they're starting saying that, you know, maybe starting sooner is better, but there's for women with a uterus that take estrogen with progesterone, there's no increased risk of uterine cancer there. The breast cancer risk may increase very slightly if hormones are taken for more than four years. But at the time of diagnosis, the breast cancer is likely to be at a lower stage and a lower chance of death than a woman not on hormone therapy. So estrogen therapy alone can stimulate an overgrowth in the uterine lining. So you do want to make sure if you do have a uterus that it's being balanced out with progesterone. 
And that's going to kind of help balance it out and work to protect the lining from developing uterine cancer. So it's, you know, working with getting them kind of balanced out, which can take some time. And then for women without a uterus who take estrogen, there's no increased risk of breast cancer for the first seven years. It may increase slightly after that. And then for women with a family history of breast cancer, it does not further increase the risk of breast cancer. So this is huge for all of us. I wish we found this out sooner, but you know, no better do better kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, I know there's some women here kind of that don't have a uterus and doctors are telling them they don't need progesterone, but they're also finding that you know, progesterone is awesome in that it helps sleep. It has that calming effect. It lowers our blood pressure. It helps us use and eliminate fats, lower cholesterol. It's super beneficial also. So obviously it's a talk with the doctor about what kind of hormones you want to be on. But as of right now, they're finding, you know, just the topical patch for estrogen that just has estradiol in it. And for progesterone, the options are there is, if you get like a micronized progesterone topical or prometrium, prometrium is the capsule. So that's the just progesterone. want to make sure that progestin is common out there and that is not bioidentical. So you want to make sure that when you are using them, try for a more bioidentical. So that, that means that it's the same form of the hormone that we make in our body. So you're just really just okay. replenishing so not your body. Synthetic. Makes. There's a difference. Right. The other yeah. is synthetic. That is by the progesterone is a bioidentical that you're adding in. Okay. Right. So you're just really helping your body out. And for women that are in perimenopause, if you do get your hormones tested, like myself, my estrogen is okay for now, but my progesterone is tanked. So, you know, you could just start the progesterone now and help with all of those symptoms. My night sweats went away. My headaches are so much better. Weight loss finally started to kick in, you know, all of those things were happening. So, you know, the sooner the better and having that conversation with your doctor can really help so many symptoms earlier on. So then would you say that a woman's first step, if they are experiencing any of these things, would maybe to go and get a hormone test of some sort. So you kind of know where your levels are and what you might need yeah. to work on. And it's not always necessary. So the hormone test that I run is pricey. It's about $400, but it will tell you everything from stress hormones to B vitamin metabolites, to your melatonin, to estrogen, progesterone, wow. testosterone. Like it gives you the whole gamut. So in my opinion, it was worth it to find that out and know as soon as possible. Primary care doctors cannot order that. So it does need to be from a functional practitioner that can order those labs. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors, when they test it, they'll just test the blood. And it's not the greatest way to see your estrogen. The test I use actually uses urine metabolites. So it's super easy. It's just a home test. You just pee on a piece of paper and let them dry out and then mail it in. And then they send you this beautiful chart and breakdown of everything. So that's amazing. You know, especially if people have tried everything and they're just like, I don't know what's going on. For myself, I know it's costly. So I'll take my client's symptoms and kind of put it all together. And I'm able to piece that together and know, okay, this is what's going on. So this is where we're going to work on first. Because a lot of times there are a ton of lifestyle things we can work on to help support the body naturally. So, you know, stress is a big one. Our sex hormones, if you're stressed out, they're 
taking a back seat because they're like, you're running from a bear. You got to take care of that. Right. <laughs> right. It goes back right. to caveman yeah. days. It's like <laughs> that autonomic nervous system is like, what the heck is happening right now? Yeah. We're not trying to procreate right now. <laughs> We're trying no. to survive. <laughs> Yeah. And if you're stressed out, digestion's not going to be great. So that's where you get the bloating and the constipation. I mean, besides hormones decreasing as well, it has a huge effect on it, but yeah, there's definitely things that we can work on. Like, especially in my case, leaky gut. So I needed to start with repairing my gut first and foremost, and then add in the progesterone and kind of work with my body that way. So I kind of do that with clients as well. Don't necessarily need that test. But if they want to kind of go on their own, you can order that test on your own. And I believe it'll kind of assign you to a practitioner or you can just get the labs and bring it to somebody to read for you. But that's an an option if you really want to get a good look at everything going on. A good place to start too is get that gut checked out. We're finding out that's the second brain. We're hearing so much more about the gut and how important it is. And really, then you're just trying to... you're. Everything in your body is able to balance out once you fix whatever that issue may be. I thought it was really interesting that you brought up cholesterol. And I've been hearing that women hit a certain age and all of a sudden they're, they have high cholesterol, even though they exercise and they haven't changed their diet. And be me. Like, what the fuck? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And then what they want to do is just put you on this medication that then has a whole other mess of side effects. And and it's like causing more problems down the road. Mm -hmm. It's just fascinating to me how connected all of these things are and how little we really knew as women and how little our doctors know in helping us solve these problems. And and it's just so connected. Yeah. I think there's some crazy statistic, like only 13% of doctors are really trained in menopause or, you know, it's just they really don't know. They haven't had the training. So in their defense, you know, but I do think it's also part of our responsibility as practitioners to research on our own, see what's out there, what's going on. You know, some of these studies take decades to come out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to take that supplement because there's no studies on it. And it's like, yeah, but what if you start to feel better? Wouldn't you, you know, you're going to waste 10 years until you get a study that is usually done in somebody that's completely hundred percent healthy or it's in males, you know, women weren't even in studies until 1993. Yeah. You know, how can you trust all that? You know, sometimes you just have to be your own advocate and be more in tune with your body, which is what I like to teach my clients. Start to learn your body. What, what are you eating something that makes you feel like crap afterwards? Now learn that stuff, see what happens to your body and you know, I, I consider, you know, people to take a headache as a gift, you know, unfortunately I was like, what's going on with myself. But now, you know, I'm like, okay, why do I have a headache? Am I dehydrated? Do I need some more magnesium? Do I need a nap? Like what, you know, like sometimes it's something like that instead of just, you know, taking ibuprofen, which is going to wreck the gut even more and not get to the, to, you know, what's going on, the root cause. Yeah, the headache association with menopause is something I had never heard of, or migraines specifically. I have friends that have horrible migraines. I mean, I'm I'm hoping maybe this could be her fix. That would be life-changing for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially premenstrual migraines are very common, and that's what I had, and it's because right before our period, our all of our hormones tank. So, you know, they just they go low. That's just what they do. But you know, and around ovulation, it's highest. So if people are even getting headaches around ovulation time, 
It could be that there's too much estrogen. We're not clearing it. We need to work on the liver. We need to work on the gut. If people aren't pooping, they're not getting rid of that excess estrogen. And if it's sitting in that gut for too long, the bacteria are amazing beings. They can produce these enzymes that take estrogen. They inactivate it and let you poop it out. But if it's sitting there for too long, some of them can produce so much of this enzyme, it's going to turn it back on and reabsorb it. And then your estrogen is like, you know? Oh my gosh, this is fascinating. (laughs) So if you're backed up and you aren't able to go to the bathroom for, I don't know, I know people that don't go for like five days. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how, how can you even function? Sounds awful. But on top of the feeling that that gives, then it's fucking up your hormones too. I'm like blown away by this information. I had no idea. Well, this is what I do love about a couple things. The mindfulness conversation I think is so huge because I don't think a lot of people pay attention to the signs that are happening or we have so many Mm -hmm. go-to pills or whatever we can take. Sometimes we don't even need that. We just need to slowly change something in our daily lives. To me, that's amazing. And it's funny when you were saying, you know, why not take something even if there's not a thousand studies on it yet, if it makes you feel better. So I've been playing with taking black cohosh for heavy periods. And at one point I thought because things were very clotty and that had never happened to me in my younger years, but my forties are a whole nother decade of life and love and all the things. You just never know what you're going to (laughs) get. I don't know. And so everyone's like, go get scanned. You might have, you know, this or you might have this going on. And I did, and all parts are looking good, which, you know, hallelujah, thank you. But I'm like, but it's not looking good when I'm going to the toilet and these clots are dropping out. Like, am I having a miscarriage? Is this just a normal period? Like, what's happening? It's insane. insane. And by taking the black cohosh, I will say, that's just been one supplement that has actually worked very well for me. And again, going back to this may not be for you, But how would you even know if you didn't dabble? And I'll tell you this, I would much rather play with that supplement than take the freaking cholesterol pills that the doctor's trying to push down my throat, (laughs) which by the way, I didn't, I didn't get into it with the pharmacist, but I I reluctantly went up to grab my prescription. I'm like, I don't want to take this. I really don't (laughs) want to take this. And the lady next to me is like, she doesn't want to take it. Does she have to take it? And we're having this whole conversation. It was was hysterical, but I'm like, no, that will go on the shelf because now I'm trying all these other things first. Yeah. And it's, it's important to see things. So that's why I love functional medicine. Cause we'll see things as, as high cholesterol as a warning sign. So mm-hmm. cholesterol is released when there's some inflammation going on it. That's its job. So, you know, our blood sugars off or, you know, is something going on in the gut that's causing inflammation that I was one of the people that have we're having high cholesterol. And I'm like, how, like <laughs> I am, I am working out. I am eating as you know, healthy as I can. So that was, you know, an issue with me. And then another, also for thyroid, our thyroid is our canary in the coal mine. It's our warning signal saying, Hey, something's not right here. So not everybody has an issue with their actual thyroid. It's just something going on that it's just sending out this warning signal saying, Hey, something's off. I'm just letting you know. But a lot of times people are just thrown on a medication because, you know, one lab is thrown off. And the problem with thyroid that really gets me is doctors will only test something called TSH, thyroid stimulated Mm -hmm. hormone. And they're going to base your diagnosis on one lab. (laughs) And when I run thyroid labs, or when I have my clients, you know, if they're going to go to the doctor, they'll ask me, okay, what do I tell them what labs to do? I'll tell them 
the the labs that I request, and it's usually like four or five different labs. You want to know thyroid antibody. You know, a lot of times there's a lot more information that's needed. And I'll start with clients' previous blood labs and kind of dive into that. And with functional medicine, we look at labs in a more optimal range because the range for normal is huge, huge. So especially for thyroid. So, you know, there is definitely ranges where people will feel a lot better. There's ranges where if you're out of this range, something is starting to happen and you want to catch it earlier than later. So when we're just looking at these normal ranges, by the time it's out of that normal range, you know, you may have already developed a condition or disease. That's why it's really important that if you don't feel right in your body, have these conversations, start doing the research, be your own advocate, because unfortunately doctors, they don't have the time. They're just going to look at labs, see what's flagged and what's not. And if it's flagged, you're probably going to get a medication unless you have a doctor with kind of that training. So fortunately that's the way it goes. So it's really important, especially for women to be their own advocate with this. I love what I'm hearing you say, which is so often we look at a headache or high cholesterol or any of these symptoms as bad. And I I keep hearing you say throughout this conversation, no, these are good. These are actually our little flags going up, our little signals saying, look deeper, figure out what's going on. It's it's our way to be able to heal ourselves. And I think that's such a good way to, you know, change that mindset of, oh, I have high cholesterol. It's bad. Medicate. Let's do quick fixes. That's so kind of you know, American way. I just had an aha moment actually as we were talking about all this because I don't Thanksgiving we did this run walk thing and there was a little kid and they kept complaining about their stomach and the fa- the parent was like you're fine you're fine just keep walking you're fine and that just came to me right now because I think a lot of the messages we received when we were younger is suck it up you're fine just get back out there keep doing what you're doing or here take this. Like you just you said, have a headache and have a stomach ache. Take this and keep going. And we haven't given enough space for us to really honor what our body's alarm systems or messaging system is trying to tell us. And and we weren't put on this earth, okay, to run around and medicating every little thing that is an uncomfortable or an alarm, as you put it, mm-hmm. system to our body. So this is a big deal. Like, I think it's a really big deal to pause on that for a moment. Yeah. It's like so often we just say, oh, cholesterol, bad. No, cholesterol, like you said, it has a purpose. Everything in our body has a purpose. Yeah. And yeah. So if it's out of alignment a little bit, that that's a signal. But you have to look at environmental stress, you know, mm-hmm. physical stress, people that are like, I'm going to do a cold plunge and I'm going to do hit and I'm going to do Peloton and I'm, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. fast for 17, 18, 19, 20 hours a day. All of that is stress on the body and people don't realize that because they think they're doing something great because this is what's in the fitness space. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. And it's what's called hormetic stress. So that's stress that gives your body enough, but it's able to overcome it and get stronger from it. So yeah, they're great, but they're great if your nervous system is already in a good place. If you're Mm -hmm. already stressed out and this is what happened to me. I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning. I was doing HIIT workouts and then going to work for 12 hours every day. Every day. And you're like, I'm then, healthy. I'm doing great things for my body. Exactly. Why is my cholesterol high? <laughs> it's things like that. And you're seeing younger and younger people getting like blood clots and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's these, these stressors and, you know, not everybody can do CrossFit and all of that. And you really have to adjust 
unfortunately, as you age, sometimes you need to adjust. You need to do things differently than you did when you're in your 20s. Well, I'm hearing that with cortisol, that is a big cause of the weight gain, especially in the middle for women. And stress definitely induces that more. And those heavy workouts, or maybe you're a runner, that just causes that to increase. And so you're actually contradicting what you're even trying to do. And I've found that for me, doing yoga and walking is has been a lot more beneficial than yeah. the heavy workouts as I've gotten older. And so that's something to consider. No, absolutely. And cortisol also is another one that gets a bad rep. Like we love cortisol. We need cortisol. It, you know, gives us our energy in the morning if it's, you know, going well. But, you know, people that wake up tired you know, the cortisol. So our cortisol, we wake up and it's here. And then usually within about 30 minutes or so, it should peak and you should feel pretty good. And then it will slowly decline throughout the day. But people that, you know, have this chronic stress, I'll see labs where it's just like flatlined or um, it'll not peak and it'll just start low and then just go down throughout the rest of the day. Or I'll see people that, you know, some people that can't fall asleep well, cortisol is peaking in the evening and you don't want that either. So, you know, stress is a huge one with that. And the big issue is that, so we're, we're stressed out and with, with cortisol also releases blood sugars. And that's where we're getting a lot of these, this blood sugar dysregulation going on. And more and more people are pre-diabetic or becoming diabetic or having insulin resistance because you get to a point where your body's like, okay, I have nowhere else to put this blood sugar. So, you know, our blood sugar, you know, when it's high and it's go- some of it can get into the cells then it's going to go through the liver. It can get stored in the liver. Then it'll go to the muscle, gets stored in the muscle. And after that, anything that's excess, especially if you're having big meals with a lot of sugar, which well, like American diets usually are, it's going to get stored in fat. And then the thing with that is that fat can produce more estrogen too. So, you know, too much estrogen can cause more fat to be put on and then more fat can cause more estrogen. So it's this cycle that can just start from stress. And a lot of people don't realize, and they're like, how am I supposed to like help my stress? But even just doing little things throughout the day, you know, just taking, if you, you feel a stressful moment coming on, you know, I'll have my clients be like, even if you could just run to the restroom, just take three deep breaths you know, close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, just be more in touch with yourself for a moment, you know, take that deep breath that can do huge things, especially if you do it a few times a day, they think, oh, you know, nothing's good unless I have to sit there and meditate for a half hour to an hour a day. And, you know, not everybody has time for that. And that doesn't even always suit people. So, you know, meditation isn't for everybody, but it's just, you got to find kind of what works for you. And there's so much information out there that people think they just need to do it all. And it gets overwhelming, but you just have to find what works for you. And there's so many things like, I don't know if people will see in the fitness space, but we have what's called a vagus nerve. And if you activate that, which you can do through singing, through humming, through gargling are some of the quickest ways to activate it. That helps bring our body back down out of that fight or flight. So something as simple as that. And I, and it's funny because I, before I learned about this, I would, I would find myself at work, like humming to myself a lot. So it was like, my body was trying to (laughs) relax me while I was at work. So it was kind of wild to see that our our bodies are pretty smart. We just have to listen to them. That's that's an easy way to really help. I found I do these like big exhales (laughs) that I'm like, oh gosh, if anybody was around, they'd be like, are you okay? What's going on? 
<laughs> but it's like my body's just being like, we got to get this yeah. shit out of here. <laughs> Move it out. But yeah, you know, stress is a big one. And it sounds again, so it sounds simple. And then it also sounds like, well, how am I going to get rid of my stress? But I think if we continue to understand the body, it's intelligent. Our body is trying, is working for us, not against us, right? And it's, it sounds like it's so individualized mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and so getting the tests done, figuring out, I love that your tests follow throughout the day. I don't even know how that's done, but that's amazing because that's what is really needed. And I, I'm wondering if maybe that's why there just hasn't been a lot of studies for women because there are so many fluctuations with our hormones. Yeah. Our hormones are on a 28 day. day schedule. Yeah. Our men have a 24 hour schedule. Yes. I don't care if they can wake up the next day and everything's back to normal, you know, ours are 28 days. So that's, that's huge, you know, to figure out. And with the hormone test, that's another thing. People will be like, oh, I had this blood test on. I'm like, okay, where in your cycle were you? They're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's well, that's good. huge. Yeah. You know, you need to take these tests if you're still cycling during a certain point in the month, because that's where we're going to get the best information and kind of gauge from there. If people have been on birth control, like I was on birth control for 20 years, I had no idea what was going on. People don't realize that being on birth control shuts down your hormones. It's not helping you. It's not giving you hormones. It's shutting everything down. And then you're getting what's called a pill induced bleed. So when you take those inactive pills, that's, you know, the hormone stopping and then your body releases the lining. So I didn't know that. I didn't even know like what ovulation was my body. I had no, no idea what was going on. I was not in tune with anything. So once I stopped it, my body like exploded and was just like, here's all these hormones. I don't know what to do with it. So, yeah. you know, here you go, have fun with it. And so I had to start tracking. I use an app and a morning thermometer, still use it after, you know, five years I've been doing this now. And I track temperature and, you know, when our temperature starts to increase, we're ovulating, it's getting ready to have an egg. Once you become more in tune, oh, it's so, it's so cool just to be like, our bodies are amazing. Like, okay. Mm. And, and, and that's another thing because during perimenopause, if you're on birth control, you're not really going to know kind of what's going on with your cycle. Cause this is where we can get longer cycles, shorter cycles, things are starting to get wonky. So it's a lot harder to track when you're on something that's giving you, you know, a period here every month. So once I got off of it, some women don't even have a period for months to a year after coming off of birth control. I was lucky in the sense that, you know, I had already been kind of eating healthy, supporting my body, that when I came off of it, my cycle started pretty normal, but my acne came back like crazy. So the problem with going on birth control, if you're going on it for a specific reason, it will just act like a bandaid. And then that problem will be 10 times worse once you get off of it. I never had cystic acne. And then I had it when I came off of birth control. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And you know, it didn't kick in for about a few months after. So, but once you become more in two and now you're like, okay, wait, I'm 24 days. So then that was 26 days. And you know, you can kind of see what's going on. Did I ovulate? Did I not ovulate? And that's really, I mean, they're, they're talking about our cycle. I think you had mentioned it being like another vital sign. It's, it's really tells us so much about us. If we're not ovulating, something's going on, you know? So it's huge to get more in tune with, with your body. Exactly. I, that's what I'm hearing you say, getting in tune. Everything is about getting reconnected with yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's just heartbreaking to me that we just put these young girls on birth control and actually it's, I mean, yes, we don't want them to get pregnant. It's, it's kind of the best thing we can do right now with the information that we have, but in, turn, we are 
separating themselves from their cycle, which like you said, gives so much information about the body. So now we have this fake cycle, basically, and there's nothing you can learn from that or read from that. Yeah. I think if more women knew that, you know, maybe they would think about it more. And obviously like I'm not putting down, I think birth control is amazing. You know, it got me through going through school without getting pregnant. So, you know, you know, that's great. And if it helps some girls get through a really painful time, then that's awesome. But I also think they need to be educated on this and be like, okay, this might help you for right now, but don't be on it for 20 years. Like I was, you know, cause at least when I would have some girls come to me that were just getting started on it, you know, it, it depletes some vitamins and minerals in the body too. So I'd have them, you know, at least start like a really good multivitamin or something to at least help the body a little bit while you're on it, because you're losing those B vitamins and then they're, you know, becoming low energy, they're becoming depressed then. And they're like, what's going on? It's your body's losing these vitamins and nutrients. And they're not realizing, you know, oh, it's this birth control pill that they told me is going to, you know, maybe I'll get a little nauseous from and that's it. So as long as the education is getting out there, you know, obviously I'm not going to put down all medications. I do have that pharmacist background. I know Mm -hmm. that it's life-changing for many people, but I also think that women just aren't getting that proper education that they need. I have no idea. Nobody told me about any of that. It was like, oh, it might make your boobs big and <laughs> clear up You're acne. Like, Great. <laughs> and you don't want to get pregnant. Sign me up. I'll do it. <laughs> That's pretty much all I knew. They, yeah, they may have said nauseous or there may be some spotting in the beginning. <laughs> okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, there just wasn't that knowledge or information out there. And I love that you brought up the absorption of minerals because I am just learning this. Vitamins and minerals certain ones cannot be absorbed into your body when estrogen is high. Is that what it is? Or if you could explain that to me a little bit. So what what's going on is we have decreasing amounts of estrogen during menopause. It can slow down the process of food passing through the GI tract. So when the digestive process takes a little longer, then we're getting more water reabsorbed back into the bloodstream that can increase gas bloating. That's where you can get some of that constipation. And also as we get older, which this is mind blowing, this was a mind blowing fact for me, our stomach acid decreases as we get older. So a lot of people think it increases because everybody's got heartburn. Everyone's on PPIs. Everyone needs to take it with every meal. And the issue is that it's actually decreasing. And if we have periods of chronic stress as well, we have low stomach acid. So it's, we're going back to that fight or flight, right? So when you're just chronically stressed, our body's not producing those digestive enzymes, everything that's needed to break down the food well, get all the nutrients and and vitamins out of that for you. Uh, It just doesn't have that help. So what's happening is food is sitting in the stomach longer than it should be. And then that gas and acid is getting pushed up. It weakens Mm -hmm. the sphincter between the stomach and the esophagus, and it allows acid just, it's just acid in the wrong place. So it's not that we have too much of it. So that Decreased stomach acid is huge when it comes to low B12, low magnesium, and low iron. And we'll see that in a lot of women uh, in particular, and then a lot of medications lower B12 as it is. And we need B vitamins for just about every process that happens in our body. And we need those three, especially for our, our hair, for energy, for, you know, uh, healthy periods, for everything, for hormones. So it really... Uh, can boil down to something like stomach acid, which we can support and then also work on stress and make sure that 
we're not eating in stressed, like in a stressed body. So, you know, there's so many people that eat on the go. They're just eating, eating in their car. I see so many people eating in their car while they're driving and, or put the news on and eat dinner. I'm always yelling at my husband, shut that shit off. Dinner. There's no way to relax in, in that way. So there's so many things. And that's one thing that, you know, is like lifestyle that you can work on, you know, even just taking a few deep breaths before you eat is huge and can really get the body into a good place. And then chewing our food well, which I know is, you know, I worked retail clothing and then went to retail pharmacy. So both you're trying to eat your food really fast and you're not chewing things well enough. So we start digestion in the mouth with saliva. So if you're not really getting that going, it's already getting into the stomach, not being broken down as much as it should. And then these pieces are bigger, especially protein takes a lot to break down. And I'll see a lot of low protein levels in people and it's due to eating hygiene and low stomach acid. So if you think about it, then our bodies have to work even harder. So now you just have this food just sitting in the stomach and people are like, I get bloated like crazy after eating. And that's a huge complaint that people come to me for. And, you know, we'll kind of work on what your body is doing during eating, you know, take that as a moment to sit down and be present with your food, enjoy your food, enjoy the taste of it, you know, kind of get your body into that, uh, that, you know, rest and digest. That's why it's called rest and digest, you know? So it's really important to work on kind of the stressors around that as well. And that helps digestion in a huge way. Also people eating so late. I feel like is a big problem. And I don't know, I try to not do that. But I know that when I do, I wake up feeling like I have a brick in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I heard someone say, really, it's the time when you're sleeping that the whole body should be at rest, not your digestive system trying to break down food during that time, it should be able to rest too. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be able to kind of do what it needs to do if it's worrying about breaking down food. You know, that's a huge aspect of why people don't sleep well, too. Um, I try to to tell them at least two hours before bedtime is is a good way to kind of stop eating. Some people may be like, it's my hormones, it's my hormones, but are you also on your computer right up until you go to bed? You know, is there a TV in your room? Are you eating right before bed? Are you thinking about the next day right before bed? You know, I have people do like a, a brain download where you keep like a little notebook at your bedside and anything that's bothering you about tomorrow, just jot it down, you know, get it out of your head. Because mm-hmm. all of those things can add up. But then, mm-hmm. you know, I know there are people that have the hot flashes and stuff. And I was huge. I would wake up just drenched. And you don't anymore. I don't. So. I don't. I sleep beautifully now. <laughs> so if you're waking up, typically between 3 to 4 a.m. is kind of what I hear a lot of. And that's what was me personally. So there's a couple of things going on that we can kind of tackle. It's either blood sugars. So usually if you're waking up like that, it's adrenaline. So when we get hot flashes... It's adrenaline that's doing that. It's your body kind of waking you up. Hey, your blood sugar's just tanked. Like, wake up, you're gonna die. Like it's it's you no, know, it's our body being like, wake up. So yeah. it's usually adrenaline that's doing that. And that's why you wake up kind of heart pounding sweat. And it could be blood sugars that are just tanking too low. So I'll have people, um, you know, maybe just a spoon spoonful of nut butter before bed. And that can really level out the blood sugars overnight. And then if it is hormones, you know, we progesterone is amazing for sleep. So, you know, I really hope more women can get on that sooner than later. Once I started doing, and I just do a topical one right now, maybe I'll look into a higher dose orally down the line, but 
it does wonders. And, you know, just rub it on your belly, on inside of your arm, you know, whatever, right before bed and getting those progesterone levels stable and then working on estrogen as well. There's a supplement called maca root that I love. You could just yeah, throw it into that. smoothies and mm-hmm. it it's really great for our hot flashes and menopause symptoms. So, you know, it could yeah, be like something like that. Sexual stuff too, right? Doesn't the maca root have something to do with libido? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll use it for fertility also and stuff too. That's, yeah. Guys are going to like That's that. <laughs> <laughs> Magnesium has been an amazing supplement for me. I just feel rested in the morning. I feel more balanced and happier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The different forms can definitely help for specific things too. So um, if people want to know kind of where do you start with magnesium, almost everybody is deficient. So if you've been chronically stressed, you probably have low magnesium. If you have headaches, if you have leg cramps, you probably have low magnesium. I'll tell people magnesium glycinate is a great form that's kind of for overall health. That's great. I use a triple combo in the daytime. And then at night, mag three and eight is kind of one of my favorites for relaxing the body. There's a few different kinds, but you know, if people kind of don't want to get bogged down with the different ones, you know, glycinate's a great one. It comes in powdered form too. If you want to just throw some in your water bottle. Yeah. That's the one I take. It's interesting that you say almost everyone's deficient in it. I've heard it's, it used to be plentiful in our soil and we used to get it from our food and now we don't because our soil has been depleted. Yeah. And it has, it has a lot to do with vitamin D levels too. So a lot of people are deficient in vitamin D doctors throw a lot of vitamin D at them, not realizing, first of all, vitamin D is fat soluble. So it's going to get stored in the body. It doesn't get peed out like all of our B vitamins. So that one gets stored. So you don't want to go too high too. And you do want to kind of reevaluate the dosing. So with vitamin D, you need good magnesium levels to convert vitamin D into its absorbable form. I don't put anybody on vitamin D until we work on magnesium first. So, you know, there's a lot of other things that kind of go hand in hand and wow, vitamin D needs K2. So I use a vitamin D K2 combo. So you kind of have to go back and see Instead of throwing more, you know, uh, at somebody, figure out why isn't it being absorbed? And for me, I had to change my vitamin D to a liquid version. You know, vitamin D capsule wasn't working. Same with magnesium, especially when I was working on the gut, the capsules weren't doing anything. I would go a whole year taking vitamin D capsules and it would go up one point. And that's when I was like, what is going on? So I switched to a liquid, you know, I got more magnesium going on. Sometimes you know, it's a matter of that. And if people have been kind of going back and forth, there is a what's called a hair mineral test where, you know, they take some of your hair, they test that and see if your minerals are just way off balance and kind of where you can go about with that too, if people are kind of overdoing it as well. Just got to make sure they don't take our hair extensions. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, let me give no. you my actual hair, <laughs> not the extension. So like, you're, you're dead. You have nothing. You have nothing. Oh, no. We're going to have to do infusions now. Okay. You're testing that you do. So it shows all of these levels too, like the magnesium and the D and all these different minerals and that we might need to look at also. So the hormone test will show the specifically the B vitamin metabolites. Okay. The magnesium, unfortunately, is not part of your kind of annual. So I will ask people to have their doctor do a red blood cell magnesium level to test it. But, and vitamin D, usually you have to ask to add on also. And not all insurance companies are covering vitamin D, which is wild to me. It's crazy. 
those are you you kind of have to ask for. You can get a good idea with kind of your annual annuals though. So when you're working with your clients, and this is where again I feel like it's so important for somebody to have that expert that is kind of guiding them. So even if they are working with their medical doctor and maybe also working with somebody like you, these are the questions you're asking them. And then you have your own labs that you might be doing, like the saliva testing and that sort of thing. That's also checking different. Yes, I can order the functional labs if it's needed. I can order I can order all blood labs, too. Just sometimes, you know, if people are already going to get labs done with their doctor, I'll right. like, you know, here's okay. your, the ideal panel and they can just have that kind of added on to get a really good idea. Cause same thing with blood sugars, you know, A1C gives you, you know, the three month time frame about how your, your blood sugars have been, but we also want to look at fasting glucose. You know, we want to look at fasting insulin. We want to see where that insulin level is. And that's huge in kind of figuring out what's going on with blood sugars. There's some inflammatory markers that'll add on too to see, you know, like CRP or homocysteine, like what's going on? Is there inflammation going on that's causing all of these levels to get thrown off? Because when we talk about high cortisol, if you just have a high fasting blood sugar, it could be your cortisol levels, you know, so we can just work on stress and modulating the the blood sugar levels throughout the day instead of throwing a medication at it. Since you spoke about inflammation, it triggered me to remember this uh, big concern that a lot of women had was joint pain Mm -hmm. and like bone ache. And it made me think that probably has something to do with inflammation, but I would love if you could, can it give us a little guidance on the possible things that could be? Yeah. And that, that definitely has to do with lower, with estrogen lowering too, since estrogen is so important for that regeneration of bone and to help with the joint and bone growth as well. So it definitely can be directly correlated with hormone levels kind of fluctuating like that. But also what I'll see is kind of going back to the gut. And if there is that leaky gut going on, if anything is kind of getting reabsorbed in the body, it likes to deposit in joints. And I'll see that joint pain in people that kind of have some gut issues also. So it's not uncommon to kind of get that from gut as well. So it is also estrogen, but also the gut health. Which is great because you look at all that it could Mm -hmm. be. And that's what's wonderful about you. You don't just zero in on one thing and do a bunch of quick fixes. You really look at the full picture. Yeah. Because it really could be a a few different things Mm -hmm. going on. So you kind of have to see, put lifestyle and labs all together. You know, you can't just take the labs and run with it either because that's just a moment in time, you know? So I don't, I will look at things to get kind of to see if there's a pattern, but I really will look at maybe the last six months, you know, anything older than that was, you know, a moment in time. Were you sick back then? Or like, you know, I don't know, maybe. So it could throw off a lot of things and, you know, you don't, you can't really, you know, just take that and run. You have to really see what the current symptoms are or what the current pattern has been with symptoms, really listening to somebody and what their symptoms are is going to tell me a lot more. And then the labs kind of will either be like, yeah, that's what's going on or, you know, something else maybe in the gut needs to be tested or something like that. And you work with men too. You don't just work with women, correct? It's mostly women. uh, Yeah. Since it's mostly I'll work with hormones, I can help them if, you know, their main issue is gut. But when it comes to hormones, it's really just been women that have been reaching out to me that are just like, I am so tired of trying everything. Yes. Women are tired. 
Yeah, they've just, you know, been through the gamut. Everybody's come to me after they've been to, you know, 20 doctors and they're just mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's going on, you know, so I kind of take everything and kind of piece it all together. And and some will come to me from other functional medicine doctors too, because unfortunately a lot of them are operating just by protocol. They'll be like, okay, do these labs. So spend an extra grand on these labs. And then we're going to give you this protocol of supplements. And then that's it. And then we'll throw you in a group Facebook group and, you know, we'll follow up in six months. Yeah. Again, feeling like guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's I mean, really frustrating. I remember feeling like that at 17 and it's like, gosh, it really is taken now I'm 44 and it's just finally it's something's changing and something feels different, but it's just a shame it had to take so damn long to get here. But we're grateful for you that you're out there doing this work. And, and yeah. I mean, I can't wait to work with you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, I've got all these yeah. things that are swirling around. And it, and it is interesting because when you do go to the doctors, even if you have some knowledge and you're like, I want these tests run, they're like, I'll give you two or I'll give you three, you know, and that's it. Or but they don't know how to read them. I asked for test um, hormonal panel to be ran when I was getting my regular blood work for insurance purposes. We had to do that. And I was like, well, if I'm in here giving blood. I might as well get to figure out what's going on with the hormones. And she didn't want to do it, but she did luckily. And she didn't, she said, you're going to have to take this somewhere else. I don't know how to read this. We're not trained on how to read this. And this is a woman doctor. Mm -hmm. It is. And there's so much. And this is why I think it's so important to have a guide and somebody like you, like we should all really just be assigned one of those. Like I know you hit a certain age. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that'll, that'll be That'll be the future. But yeah, you know, I, I work on people that's like getting off of tablets because tablets have a lot of inactive ingredients and crap thrown in there to mm-hmm. form that tablet. So, you know, even just switching from tablets to capsules, people can see a huge difference. Wow. You know, magnesium. My brother was taking magnesium. He switched to the powder and he was like, I feel amazing. So wow. it's, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of, of you know, I hate to say trial and error, but I mean, sometimes it is, you know, you just got to see what works for you because like you said, there's so much out there. And if anybody's on TikTok, they're going to see all of these. Forget it. So overwhelming. Promoting all of these supplements and these supplements sometimes are just jam packed with so many ingredients that I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, that one can mess with your testosterone. You know, that one can mess with, you know, your, your thyroid. If you have thyroid issues, you don't want to be taking that supplement. So sometimes you do need that person. That's your guide to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, that supplement, you know, maybe is causing more harm than good because, you know, it's got too much crammed in there and maybe we can kind of dial it in. So a lot of times if I'm recommending something, it's very targeted to what's going on. And I'll recommend some for some rapid relief while we're kind of working on lifestyle because, you know, people want to feel better Mm -hmm. faster, but you know, I, I definitely take people off of them too. And I think it's important for everybody in general to go through supplement vacations. So, you know, if you're on something for about six months or so, you know, take a few months off, you know, cause supplements still have to get processed through the liver. So, you know, people think, you know, cause it's not a medication, everything is great, but your body still has to process it. So it can still get bogged down and we need to really support our liver to help it with hormones and to help, help it with blood sugars, help with everything. So I love to use like castor oil packs. I don't know if you've seen those, those are huge for helping the liver. You know, that was one of the first things I started when I was starting my gut health journey to kind of help because being on birth control for so long really 
was starting to have me develop fatty liver. And I'm like, what? like, this is wild. So, you know, supporting our livers is a huge part of it too. Wow. I had no idea birth control could cause or contribute to fatty liver. That's something I, you're just a wealth of knowledge. I'm learning so much. I also never knew you had to take breaks from your, your supplements, your vitamins. I'm like, oh, take my vitamins every day. I have my night, nighttime and my morning. And it never would have dawned on me that I need to give it a rest sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Even just if, if you know, if you just want to, and you know what, the, what the good thing about doing that too, is it gives your body a chance to be like, oh, did I really need that? So yeah. Do I still feel amazing three months later? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't need maybe, that. yeah, maybe I got my levels optimal and, you know, I fixed my lifestyle enough that my body is supported. Now my diet's better. You know, they're supposed to supplement things and people kind of use them as, as treatments, you know, so it, if we kind of see them as that, okay, they're supplementing, they're helping me get past a certain point. If you still feel great. Then, you know, I can, I can notice if I miss my magnesium. So I'm like, I need it. Me too. But, you know, in multivitamin, you know, sometimes, you know, see if you can take some time away during the winter, you know, I'll, I'll take more zinc. And then, you know, when it's summertime, maybe I don't need as much zinc. I'll look at like nail health is huge. Uh, people look at their nails. If you're getting like divots or indentations or lines, you know, maybe you need some zinc. So just take that for a little bit, boost your levels up. Zinc and copper in our body are opposite each other also. And when we're stressed out, our body's going to retain all this copper and it's going to push out zinc. So that's why when you're stressed out, often you get sick, your immune system craps out on you. I'll notice like nails will get, start to get brittle or breaking and, you know, things start falling apart. And it's because of this, this balance that needs to be restored. So sometimes you can just restore it and then, you know, move on and you don't need it for a lifetime. Fascinating. It is. You had me thinking about, I'm going back to those menopausal symptoms, the dryness, skin. When you were talking about nails, I'm like, yeah, not only my nails are brittle, but my hand, especially because we're in winter, my hands are so dry. Fortunately, it hasn't gone down south yet, but (laughs) I'm I'm still excited about that. (laughs) From what I hear, it's no fun. But how can that be corrected or what are the causes of that? Again, is it estrogen? Yeah. And it could be that estrogen is not imbalanced. So progesterone can really help with that as well. So progesterone can help increase scalp hair. Some women are actually, their testosterone is off and they don't realize like women do need testosterone also. So if libido is tanking, that's a huge sign too that could be, you know, maybe there is some testosterone that needs to be prescribed and you just do like compounding pharmacy, get topical. So you could start low and, you know, just find what works for you. So it could be that, uh, you know, maybe it is time for hormone replacement and starting with a low dose estrogen, it could be, but I wouldn't necessarily kind of jump right to that. It could be more, some vitamins or minerals are going on. B vitamins are pretty big with that and helping and zinc. So kind of just kind of figuring out hydration, maybe drink more water. Yeah. Hydration is going to be huge. Also people, I know it's a lot to get into, but just the quality of their skincare products and making sure there's just so much that's out there. And, And especially for women, they don't realize that there's a lot of these ingredients that will come in and kind of act like estrogen in the body and mimic estrogen. And they can get effects from just their skincare skincare products. Wow. 
That can be a big wow. deal. And it's something that, you know, has taken me years, you know, just switch out a product here and there, then move to your, you know, deter- detergent's a big one because you're wearing clothes all the time. So that's a really good one to start switching that to a better quality one, the one that's clear, clean ingredients. So that's something to look into too. Because it could be a, sorry, to inter- it could be a hormone blocker. Is that like some of the detergent could actually some of these anything that has the word fragrance in it so Mm -hmm. they're allowed to list the word fragrance and that can be 20 plus ingredients like into bumped into that word so even just avoiding anything with the word fragrance in it can do wonders for hormones so a lot of women don't realize that as well think about those little i've never gotten into these because something about them just seemed like an alarm went off in my head but those little beads that people put into their laundry just so that it smells good. Yes. That I just thought that's got to be super. We actually have some of those and I've battled my family with all these things because I went on a very kind of holistic path for a while and it was even down to just using wool balls instead of, you know, laundry sheets. But was there anything else that came up that people were asking us about? I just want to make sure we hit some of the things. So we went over the Weight gain, belly fat, that has a lot to do with cortisol, stress, and hormones, estrogen. I think you had a question about the pellets too. Oh, oh yeah. yes. I know I know a couple people who have tried it out. And they swear that it is totally life-changing for I, them. I've had a bad, I've heard a bad experience too though. So mm, I haven't yeah, had a bad and one Yeah, and it can be life-changing for some people. And that's the thing. It's like, same with Onzepic. Like, okay, like people, you know, if it's life-changing for them, that's amazing. If they're feeling better, that's awesome. But the education needs to be out there. Like mm-hmm. these are little rice-sized pellets that get, you know, it's a surgical thing. That's how small they are. I was picturing this big pack and the whole idea of being cut open and having something stuck in my butt. Like a remote control in there. No. (laughs) I was like, I'll be able to feel it. No. Yeah, no, they're a little rice size. It just freaked me out. Yeah. And it's called a pellet. That also doesn't sound very good. They should change that. But my issue with it is that, okay, once it's in there, it's in there. So they slowly dissolve over the 90 days. So the thing with it, so if you were previously on hormone therapy and then you're switching to the pellets, you're still going to need that overlap. And like, as I said earlier, it takes about three months to really figure out what's going on with hormones. Like hormones need time to adjust. Unfortunately, you know, people want these instant results, but it does take time. So there was a recent study from the North American Menopause Society that said that women that used hormone pellets were more likely to experience some of these mood swings, anxiety, hair, hair patterns. So either like thinness or hair loss, acne, weight gain. So sometimes these doses are just way too much. You can adjust them, which is really the issue. And you just get a swoop of these symptoms right off the bat. You said you cannot adjust them. So like, right. they're in like Once you. they're in, they're right? in. like you can adjust on like the next implant, right? The next implantation, can't they be different levels at that time? Yeah, you can definitely, you would evaluate at that time, see how you felt and adjust if needed. The issue with, especially if it's a testosterone one, is the lowest dose is 75 milligrams. So, you know, if you need something lower, you can't with the pellet. Mm. So, you know, for some people it's amazing, but you know, if you get too much testosterone, you can have abdominal weight gain, you can have insulin resistance, you can have blood sugar issues. So you can wind up kind of causing other 
issues, you know? So mm-hmm. it's with hormones, you don't want to go too high too quickly. You want to give your body time to adjust to these things, you know, going, even with supplements, going low and slow is what I do for everybody. We need to let the body adjust to these things. You can't just expect it to just, you know, feel amazing when you're throwing these doses at it, that, you know, everybody's going to be individualized when it comes to what dose is going to work best for them. And then you got to balance that out. So you can't just have this crazy estrogen going on and then progesterone is still tanked. You know, you really have to kind of get this good balance. And when like, there's a combination patch that some women will use in menopause, first of all, it has a synthetic progesterone in there. So it has progestin in there, but you, you're kind of stuck with these doses, you know, cause they're both in there together. So you can go higher or lower, but you can't adjust each individually. So it's always best if you're going to do hormone replacement therapy that I do recommend women do them separately. So you can have the estradiol patch and then have the progesterone topical or the oral capsule so that you can really balance it out, you know, give, give them their time. You know, you start one, start another, and then balance it out and then kind of adjust accordingly. And just it, in a matter of being patient, but it's best to kind of have them separate. So you have that option. Great advice. I think we kind of already talked about this, but tiredness, brain fog, forgetfulness. Yeah, that's also going to be huge for estrogen declining. Also, uh, as estrogen declines that we have that B12 declining as well, um, which is also going to be an issue with stomach acid. And then just in general menopause and just hormones being messed up, we're going to have that poor sleep. So that's definitely going to contribute to tiredness. Having that stress is going to, with the cortisol, that's going to contribute to that as well if our cortisol is tanking. And then just you know, with estrogen levels fluctuating so much, you can get that, that flood of adrenaline. And then once that adrenaline goes away, you're going to feel exhausted. It's like when you have that sugar high, so you can definitely get those fluctuations and being like, I felt great this morning. And now I'm just like, Oh, like so many people get that afternoon crash. A lot of times it's a matter of balancing blood sugars, you know, just it's really does boil down to that as much as some people may not realize it, but I know a lot of women that skip breakfast and that's a huge part of it because you're already setting yourself up kind of for a roller coaster. Unless you're you're doing your intermittent fasting. Or- I was just going to ask know. you about <laughs> intermittent fasting because I've been dabbling and it's been working really well for me. I feel the most like myself again. Yeah. And I don't even feel like I'm starving. I just eat between a certain window during the day and I try not to go past, you know, seven o'clock at night. So it's like hasn't even been that hard for me. But I'm curious as on your thoughts about intermittent fasting and menopause and how they're related or if they're not at all. And it's just an individual choice. I think it can be pretty amazing for some women if it's done right. Also, it is something, like I said, that hormetic stress. So it's a good stress on the body, but you also need to make sure, you know, your, your nervous system isn't completely tanked from this life. So doing it that way, I think is amazing. And for people that want to get started, just doing a basic 12 hour to start is, is awesome. So yeah, if you are able to just stop eating earlier, cause then your, your sleep is most of it. So if you're able to get a good amount of sleep, that's going to be a lot of your fasting time. So I think doing it overnight is best. So just starting to aim for, even if it's just like 7 PM to 7 AM kind of thing, the 
what I've been reading more about in research is kind of the magic number is anything over 12 hours. So if you can make it to that 13th hour, there's some magic there, but just giving your body even just 12 hours break to get through things, to replenish, to repair that can really do wonders for helping the gut repair and everything. And then during the day, just making sure that you're not just kind of cramming everything into one meal. Cause some people really do need to work on these blood sugars. And for that, uh, you really don't want to be snacking throughout the day. It's really great to have kind of those three solid meals. And for women, especially they're not eating enough protein and protein is going to be huge for keeping you full. It's going to be great for putting on more muscle, which we need as we get older. And it's going to help with those blood sugars. So getting some healthy fats and protein and fiber is going to be huge for keeping blood sugar stable. So if you're getting 30 grams of protein is usually well how people start per meal, you'll notice huge changes in wanting to like snack in between meals. I used to be crazy with snacking in between meals until I really tracked my protein. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I definitely wasn't getting enough. Like people think maybe one egg in the morning is fine. One egg is only six grams. So you kind of have to balance it out with a lot of other things. And once you start working on that and then fiber is huge, especially for the gut, for the gut health, we want happy gut bugs. So working on anywhere from like 25 to 35 grams of fiber. And that's starting slow, low with that, because then you'll just get bloated and feel terrible. So those are a couple of things that if people are really struggling with sugar cravings and just getting those blood sugars under control is going to prevent so many conditions down the line. So just upping the fiber, upping the protein can really like make a wave of changes. It's huge. Yes. Amazing. Even just when you're explaining all that, it's like, yes, of course you're going to sleep better. Of course you're going to have more energy and it's just another tool that you can implement. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I also heard that you should not fast the week before your period. And then once, once you yeah. start, then you can go back into your intermittent fasting. Yeah. Uh, cycle syncing really and kind of being in tune with your cycle is, is another thing. like an easy way to kind of help your hormones too. If people just really want to start somewhere is uh, what I do is called seed cycling. And if you do, if you are aware of your cycle, it's kind of a little woo woo, but you go with the moon. If you, if you don't have a cycle right now, or if your cycle is completely wonky, you just follow the moon. So with the next new moon, you would take flax and pumpkin seeds, you know, grind them up, do about a tablespoon or two a day. So if you're doing smoothies, it's super easy. I pre-grind them get them all together and just throw it in there. And then with the full moon, you would switch to sunflower and sesame seeds. Why? What's in those? Yeah. I'm so they curious. have specific like omegas and stuff to help oh. the estrogen. So estrogen's rising when you're up getting towards ovulation. And then for ovulation to the end of the luteal phase, you have progesterone rising. So those are going to really support those hormones during that time. And it can really help people kind of get more nutrients in and help balance their hormones in that sense. And I have had people's cycles come back just from, from doing that and getting into that routine. And then you can also, if you kind of have a relatively regular cycle, you can still support your cycle in that way. And then just follow from, you know, period to ovulation, you're going to be doing protein and flax. And then from ovulation to the end of luteal, you'll do the sunflower and sesame. So, you know, there's little things like that, just using 
nutrition that can still like make huge waves. And, and that's great for people that are younger too, if they really want to start supporting their cycle at a younger age, something like the seeds is a great way to start. So I know some people who don't have a period anymore and they're like, woohoo, I love it. This is what I want. But you're talking about bringing it back. If you are maybe at the start of that, you're going into that menopause. Yeah. If you're you're post-menopause and you don't have it, then that's normal. Uh But if you're not in menopause yet and you're not cycling, then something's off. Yeah. Because we're not talking about like you're done with your period and it's like, oh no, I'd like to have that back. Right. No, we're, yeah, we're just talking about you might not have a very regular cycle or there's some things going. you're in perimenopause, you're starting perimenopause and you want to like slow that down. But what you would want to slow that down for what reasons, just to be super clear, all the benefits that estrogen and progesterone provide that you like health benefits. Yeah. You definitely want to support your hormones because like I said, that that menstrual cycle and just the whole cycle is like a vital sign to us. So our hormones are not going to be thriving and doing what they need to do if something's off. So it's really something to be more in tune with. I guess what I'm asking more is say I'm in perimenopause and I've missed, I'm having really inconsistent periods. Like I have, you know, one, one month and then I go two months without one and then I have one again. And maybe like I've talked to women and they're just like, oh, I just can't wait until it's just done. And they just want it to go away. And they think, oh, I just had two months without one. I thought it was gone finally. And then it came back. But you're saying, no, we don't necessarily want if we can prolong that there are health benefits to that. I just want to be super clear on that because I've definitely heard that from or maybe more make than one it consistent women. versus no. But if you're in perimenopause and it's going away, that is part of the sign of perimenopause, correct? Perimenopause um, is before, right? Yeah, you'll you'll definitely start to see that's inconsistencies, a, like a sign, yeah, of of having inconsistencies. You might have a really long period. You may bleed a lot longer. You may bleed a yeah. little shorter. Mm-hmm. So things are just like kind of wonky and you're just like, what's going on? So it definitely means something is going on and you you do want those benefits of estrogen. Like you want the heart protection, you want the skin protection. And there's a reason like why, why when women are ovulating, they're like glowing, like you feel your best. Like that's, you know, the estrogen is doing that for us. So you really want to be a little more in tune with, with what's going on because there's you know, a part in our brain that's, that's conversing with our ovaries. And it's, you know, if there's something not going right, you know, it's, their hormones aren't going to be released. There could be, and some of that starts to go to the wayside and that's how, you know, when we're going towards menopause. So you kind of get though, that's how you can get those fluctuations is, you know, sometimes you're communicating, sometimes it's not receiving the signal. So that's how you can kind of get a little bit of wonky estrogen. Is that kind of what you're asking though? Is like what I really, I'm so glad you cleared that up because I think there's a misconception with a lot of women thinking that this is just a part of perimenopause and it's supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be having inconsistent periods. It's just a sign that I'm in perimenopause and eventually I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to have it anymore. Yeah. And so I think that's where there's a little bit of confusion there out there in the world with. Yeah. It may seem pretty amazing to not have it uh, all the time, (laughs) but you really need to like take it as something's something's off. Okay. So I guess just to clarify that even more, is there a way that it's supposed to really go down? Yes. Yes, Thank thank you. you. I'm yeah. (laughs) 
is there a like if this happens, this is typically the way it's supposed to go versus, you know, if you are having it one month and then you're not the next month and then you are at some point, is it supposed to technically be like, okay, I'm, you know, 40 years old and all of a sudden this month, no period, next month, no period, next month. Oh, boom. A whole year went by. Like, is that ideally how it's supposed to happen? Or it, are those fluctuations, can they be considered part of the normal process? But we'd like them to, yeah, like, at, you know, see what mm-hmm. I, like, at what point that, exactly tra- what that transition, what's the best way for that transition to happen? When you go from perimenopause to menopause, because menopause, we identified as no period for a whole year. So how is that supposed to happen as seamlessly as possible or what's normal? And, and it may not be kind of seamless for some people also. So it's kind of, it's kind of tough to kind of pinpoint an age since it will be different for everybody. There yeah. is some studies that will show about 44 to 65% can be genetics. So you can kind of see like maybe where, what, how old your mother was and kind of get an idea like, okay, I may have several months around here where I don't have my period and kind of gauge from there. But if you're in your forties, you know, that you should still be cycling. Okay. If you're having the inconsistencies, it's something to kind of look into. You may need to start maybe hormone replacement therapy sooner than later, because you really don't, you really want to keep that estrogen as long as you can. And you want those levels to be optimal as much as you can. So into older age. So there's an age that it is acceptable to start missing periods and weaning away from, okay. Yeah, you'll and definitely what, get to that point. And, and I mean, some women it's, you know, in mid fifties could be 60 kind of depending, but in your forties, that's typically still considered perimenopause. So you would want to be supporting your hormones as best as you can do that. And that's how you can really have a little bit more of a seamless transition. If you're kind of aiming for that is supporting your hormones sooner than later, because if you're keeping them wonky, that just means menopause may be kind of brutal for you. And that's how you can get some women that are like, I feel amazing. I don't know what all these women are complaining about. (laughs) You know, maybe they were doing all these things. Maybe they were supporting their body sooner than later. And they were able to kind of have that almost seamless transition. They're like, okay, I guess I went a whole year without a period. And here I am post-menopause. So now that the, the studies are coming out there, I'm hoping that people will get more and more aware of hormone replacement therapy and not scared of it and help their body a bit sooner. And then, you know, then when it's kind of your body's naturally kind of diving off, you'll still have that hormone replacement in your fifties and sixties, but in your thirties and forties, it could be signs that things are out of whack. So cycling is natural when you're not cycling. Those could be indicators that something is deficient or off in your bodily system. So that would be something to get in tune with and go, why am I not, why am I having two consistent periods and then one not? I should look at that can be a flag. Right. And then go into look and see where my hormones are. And maybe I need some more support. Maybe maybe that's where you start to play with some of those different seeds and things Mm -hmm. like then other things too. But, but that's really an indicator if you're not cycling on a regular. But if your mother went into menopause, full blown, stopped at like 43 Mm -hmm. and you're 42 and starting to have then maybe it's not as concerning or right. It could be. And 
it could be things like my mother was a smoker too. So I kind of take it, you know, there are some environmental aspects, some lifestyle aspects that could bring the hormone issues on sooner. So you kind of have to see, so that's probably why that's a big range of like 44 yes. to 65, but it kind of can, can definitely give you an idea of being like, mm-hmm. okay, what's going on. But typically if, if it's in the forties, that that's pretty rare to be postmenopause unless you had like chemo that put you into that uh-huh. or you had, you know, hysterectomy or something like that. Something that's going to put your body into postmenopause earlier that could happen. But typically if you're in your forties, usually it's just perimenopause and it's, it's a matter of supporting your hormones and kind of getting them a little more optimal. It's not common to have postmenopause or, you know, missing a cycle then. Super helpful. Like, I think that's going to help a lot of women. I also want to bring up fibroids and you had talked a little bit about the clotting, heavy bleeding, anything you can kind of information you can give us about that. Or is yeah, that very individual? That's definitely a, a sign too. You want to look at if there's heavy bleeding and if there's PMS, like heavy PMS things going on, it could be that the liver is not processing out the estrogen. We want to make sure women are pooping. So this is usually related to high estrogen issues. If it's PCOS, it's a little bit more androgen also. So we've got women with high testosterone, then they'll have some other issues uh, with when it comes to being in PCOS. It's usually looking at estrogen and seeing, are you getting a ton of estrogen in from, you know, just skincare products and things like that. And then just not clearing it well. So are are your gut bugs like it's kind of switching it back into an active and reabsorbing it. So either yeah, Mm. either the guts, you know, messed up, constipated, or the liver is kind of bogged down too. So sometimes there's support upper, like upper support that you need to look at too to get everything kind of moving smoothly. But a lot of times it has to do like for my my case too, I was very, what they call estrogen dominant. So I just didn't have that balance of estrogen. My estrogen was wild. I was getting those migraines. I was getting crazy cramps and I was just like, what's going on. So a lot of times it has to do with kind of that imbalance going on. So if I'm having cramping right now, cause it like actually kind of, I could feel it last night when I was trying to go to sleep and I know that I am ovulating. Is that a sign of high estrogen could be? Yeah. Well, that's when um, our estrogen is going up. Oh, so for some women, it's kind of normal, but if it's kind of annoying and painful, it could be that your levels are so like here is normal, but your levels are kind of bringing it here. Okay. It could be just a little more support with the liver, some castor oil packs kind of help flush things out, make sure we have good fiber going on. So we're pooping good. A lot of people also don't realize that like when you poop, it should be like, a full evacuation, like they're like, oh, I'm pooping all the time, but it should be relatively a clean wipe. Like a breakaway. (laughs) (laughs) So you, I mean, definitely, I know nobody really wants to look at their poop, but it's huge to to learn what's going on. It's another sign. Yes. It should be a good color, you know. And it should be more than once a day when we were talking before we recorded more. I thought I was so good. Once a day. (laughs) It should be more. Shoot. Yeah. So, you know, fiber can definitely help that all kinds of fiber, you know, they're soluble and insoluble. So just getting a good mix of veggies, nuts, seeds, all of that, you know, I even add in just a fiber supplement 
powder just, you know, here and there on a day that I'm like, I don't think I had any vegetables today. So I'll just, you know, um, chug some of that. And it makes a huge difference, obviously lots of water, but we also want to make sure that, you know, there's people that come to me and they're like, I chug, you know, a gallon a day. And I'm like, that's great. But you're also flushing out a lot of nutrients Mm -hmm. with that. (laughs) So you want to make sure you're replenishing it. So electrolytes just throw, you know, they're so readily available now, you know, just find a good brand. Like Himalayan salt, like a little pinch of salt. Yeah. And that's another thing too. People like wake up and they just have this like weird little mild headache. Dehydration, you know, can happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just a little bit of like a squeeze of lemon. I'll throw in some Himalayan salt, even some cream or tartar, just a little shake has some potassium in it. So things that people have, like just like lying around the house, like you can create your own electrolyte drink, you know? So just a little bit of that in the morning it's, and lemon's also great. Like a warm lemon water is also great for the liver. So, you know, you're kind of killing two birds, you're getting some electrolytes in there and helping the liver. So it's really a great way to start the day uh, just in general, but it's really Not important. Not the coffee right away. <laughs> you're supposed to drink a big glass of water first, Not right? coffee on an empty yeah. stomach. That's all, oh. that's all I request. So yeah, um, that's that's going to be hard for me to stop doing that. (laughs) Baby steps, one thing at a time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All those small things add up to huge changes, but yeah, just making sure that, you know, you're getting the hydration with the electrolytes in there because just plain water can definitely flush things out too. You don't want your pee clear. Like we're not aiming for that. Like you want a pale yellow. Oh, if it's clear, then you're overhydrated. So, oh you want to make sure that you're getting some electrolytes in there. And that's where you can get like a twinge of a headache. That's why I like having that magnesium powder. So if like during the day, I'm like, like, you know, just to like a shake it up, drink it. And it usually takes it away. So once people can become a little more aware of that, like, oh, oh did I just go hiking and sweat? And I'm like, I have a headache. Yeah, it's because mm. you're probably dehydrated. How amazing. So you could just, instead of popping an Excedrin, which I do not very often, but it's like, if I have a headache, that's what I go for. Cause it gets rid of it right away. But I could just have a little magnesium in my water. That's what the body really needs. So now you're, you're healing yourself and not just covering up with a bandaid. Yeah. Great. And you look beautiful. Your skin Mm -hmm. is amazing. So if you're doing all these things, you're definitely (laughs) glowing, makes me want to start doing them. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, this wasn't an overnight thing either. So I've kind of been at this um, for quite some time. I think 2012 was when I really kind of started, like hit my like rock bottom and started with, you know, I saw a picture of myself on my birthday and I was like, that's what I look like. Like, what the hell is going on? So that's when I was like, uh, I need to do something about this. So that's when I really just started with health and fitness. And then from there, so I was, you know, health and fitness coach for years before I even got into functional medicine. So it's just been slow and steady, you know, changing little things out here and there and it all adds up. And now I can kind of start people at a better place than where I was. Like I have a lot more knowledge now to be, you know, what's a little bit better swaps and stuff to make, but really just slow and steady is going to be what's best, whatever you can sustain is going to be best. If you can't do cold plunges every day, that's fine. You know, even just splashing cold water, <laughs> like you can just splash cold water on your face and get a very similar, a very similar reaction, you know, okay, or just like, like um, that. cold burst after your shower. I've done that yeah. before too. Just, you know, it's work your way up to like a minute of cold mm-hmm. water, you know, that can, that can do the same thing. So my husband does cold plunges and I'm like, I do yoga. (laughs) Not what I do. (laughs) My body does not like that. It rejects it. (laughs) Gotta listen to my body. Well, I am just, we are so 
grateful that you found yourself on this path and in searching for things to help you have now been able to help so many women. We're just absolutely grateful that you came on this show and shared your knowledge with all of our listeners today. And I do feel like it's giving us this renewed understanding of our bodies and how to communicate with our bodies. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for having me. I, I love getting the information out there as much as I can. I try to put out as much free info as I can because, you know, it just needs to get out there. It does. It, we're in desperate need for this information, the facts and how to help ourselves. You're doing great work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard and were your girls, please share and add a review on iTunes so we can continue to grow our circle. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at That's My Girl Podcast.